Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of April 20th through April 26th. Uh, this week, we are moving towards a new moon in the sign of Taurus. Uh, welcome to Taurus season, everyone. As I'm recording this on, on Sunday, the 19th, the sun has just moved into the fixed earth sign of Taurus. So we'll have a little bit of a different vibe that we're going to be experiencing this week. Um, as the sun has moved into the sign of Taurus, it has moved basically immediately into a square with Saturn and Aquarius, so we'll break that down a little bit. Um, the new moon is going to be on Wednesday the 22nd. Uh, of course, it's squaring Saturn and will be in pretty close conjunction with Uranus. And the first aspect it's going to be making after it escapes the bond is a trine to Jupiter in Capricorn on Friday. So that's somewhat good news. Um, we've been experiencing some lunations lately where the first aspect the moon is making after it comes out of its 15 degree bond on either side of the new moon or full moon, uh, where it's been making a, a difficult aspect with a malefic planet. And remember in Hellenistic astrology, they talked about the first aspect that it makes, whether it's to a benefic or a malefic planet, gives a little bit of the mood of what, what could be happening with um, some of the meanings inherent with that, this particular lunation. And so it's, it's somewhat good news that we're going to be seeing a, a trine with Jupiter. Now, Jupiter is not in its greatest shape, so that may, may color things. And of course, we can't ignore the square to Saturn. So we'll, we'll get into the, the nitty gritty of that. But that's kind of what we're going to be experiencing on our Earth Day, uh, the 22nd of April. Uh, on Saturday, the 25th, Mercury is going to be squaring Pluto. Uh, just as Pluto turns retrograde at 25 degrees of Capricorn. So we'll break that down a little bit. Um, we're going to be seeing Pluto and Jupiter making um, their retrograde motions and coming into a conjunction again at the end of June, I believe on June 30th. So we're having some similar passes with the, the uh, outer planet energy that we've been experiencing. Um, and we'll try to break that down as well as we can as well. Uh, Sunday, the 26th, Mercury will be squaring Jupiter, and the Sun will be conjoining Uranus. Some new decans this week. Uh, Mercury is moving through the third decan of Aries, uh, correspondence with the Four of Wands, and Neptune will be changing decans this week. That's interesting because Neptune moves extraordinarily slow, so we may see a little bit of a different vibe with our, our Neptune, which um, it may be difficult to discern exactly how that feels because Neptune is so uh, nebulous, I would say. But we can we can make an attempt to see what we might be experiencing with Neptune moving into the third decan of Pisces rather than the second decan. Um, third decan of Pisces is a Mars-ruled decan uh, in the Chaldean order. So we've got some sacrifice and some potentially some acceleration of some of the... Uh, some of the challenges inherent with a with a Neptune placement. Okay, so let's take a look at our chart here. I'm going to share my screen. Essential dignities for the week. The sun is moving from zero degrees Taurus, as it's just changed signs, uh, to seven degrees Taurus this week. So we'll be moving through the first decan of Taurus, where it is peregrine, but it is in the terms of Venus. So it, it, we've got a little bit of a um, improved bound lord. The, the sun lost dignity when it moved from Aries to Taurus. Uh, remember, when it was in Aries, it was in its exaltation and it had triplicity rulership by the daytime. Now we don't have any of that, but we do have a more lenient 
uh, bound ruler in, in Venus for the first eight degrees of Taurus. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Saturn, the planet that the sun has now moved into a, uh, a whole sign square with, and, and a, a, a pretty close to a partile square as well. We're going to see that square perfect on Tuesday, um, but it's within three degrees, which I believe is called a, a connection in Hellenistic astrology. So we're already feeling this today as I'm recording this, and it's only going to intensify as we get to Tuesday. Um, Saturn is in the, uh, its own domicile in Aquarius, the first decan of Aquarius, where it also has triplicity rulership by the daytime and is in the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees. So very strong Saturn right now. And we'll, we will talk about some Saturnian themes that have been coming up. We've had a really busy uh, week in the news. Um, yeah, every day in the news has been fairly busy for the last month or so. Um, but there's been some interesting things happening around the world and also even closer to home here in my home state of Michigan that I feel like may be worth discussing in the context of astrology as well. Um, we're seeing some of the uh, challenges inherent in, in the isolation that we're experiencing and potentially like, you know, some rebellious movements beginning and people starting to kind of um, get tired of being in their quarantine and, and expressing their uh, dissatisfaction with some of the powers that be, and we'll we'll break that down as well. Uh, Jupiter is moving through the third decade of Capricorn this week, um, moving within a few, uh, within one degree of Capricorn, so staying within that 26 degree range of Capricorn, uh, where it's in its fall. This Jupiter is is a fallen Jupiter where it's very earthy. It's very, uh, it has difficulty bringing about the best of its significations. Um, where we are thinking about bri bridging uh, between things, bringing good things, like finding a moral center. Uh, those things are, are challenging right now to, to, to access um, through Jupiter being in a difficult placement. Jupiter is also in the terms of Mars right now from 26 to 30 degrees. Venus uh, is in the second decan of Gemini, moving from 13 degrees to 17 degrees. She will be on her own terms from 12 to 17 degrees. So there is a little bit of dignity for Venus. Um, Venus has been playing an interesting role in all this and will be playing uh, even more so of a role now that she is the one that is providing for the sun in Taurus. Um, I've seen this play out over the, uh, my, my own experience in the last couple weeks or so here. Uh, this Venus challenges us, and I talked about this in my forecast last week, uh, to, to potentially explore different ideologies or different ideas um, that may be uh, contrary than our own. Uh, it may be harmonizing the distance between those places and those two um, polarized, uh, I don't know, perspectives. And this is something that I've been doing as almost like a thought experiment lately, inspired by um, a really wise friend I have out in Portland. Um, you know, there's been some very divisive things online, uh, and there's been a lot of people expressing their positions and their opinions, m myself included. I, I'm, you know, Mercury is in Aries right now, <laughs> like first and second uh, decan, 15 to 28 degrees of Aries, um, moving, moving through the terms of Mercury from 12 to 20, Mars from 20 to 25, and Saturn from 25 to 30 this week. 
So just to clear up the essential dignities uh, before we move on. Um, and uh, with this fiery, fiery Mercury in Aries, we tend to express our subjective opinions on things, which you know is part of part of the way that Mercury functions when it's moving through Mars's domicile. And Mars is being is providing for it from Aquarius, from a, a position where we're trying to figure out uh, what is good for the whole, and trying to see things from a greater perspective and think about the ideals of how we arrange our society and how we arrange um, the collective uh, organization, how we, we make laws that we abide to or abide by as a society. And we're, we're having a lot of people expressing their opinions on how that should look. And since we're being thrust into an experience where we have to share um, uh, well, or we have to learn how to get along for the collective survival, there's lots of different uh, opinions on how that should look. And I wanted to read you something that a friend of mine put out. And maybe we'll get to this in a second. Um, just to clear up the, what the moon's doing this week, the moon is waning from a balsamic phase to a new moon on Tuesday, and then waxing to the crescent moon phase. It's peregrine in Pisces and Aries. It will have exaltation, triplicity by the nighttime, and rulership by face in the second face of Taurus. And then it will be peregrine again in Gemini. Um, so yeah, I wanted to kind of read something before we get to our dailies here, because I thought this was a really interesting thing. One of the things, just to give you context as to what I'm talking about here, if you're, I don't know, I have some listeners overseas and uh, so, and I'll try to be as objective as I can with with this information. I know it's going to be. Mm, I know in the past I've I've kind of gone down some rabbit holes with these and had to even stop a recording and re-record, but I'll do my best. Uh, so recently in in America and in my state of Michigan, we have a lot of people that are getting upset about some of the stay-at-home orders, and that is uh, reflected in some of the astrology that we're seeing, especially with. Um, our Saturn and Aquarius placements, which is making it a necessity to uh, isolate. And remember, Saturn uh, binds us to things. It, it is something that is, is encouraging us to do things that we may not necessarily like or that may not necessarily be easy. But I, I feel like Saturn is one of those planets. This is something I've been thinking a lot about uh, that is restoring balance it's it exalts in the sign of libra the, the the sign of balance itself and the scales and through what fe may feel like a punishment through punitive justice uh, we are bringing some sort of consistency back into uh, our reality um, saturn is of the day sect it is something that is a stabilizing factor in in our astro astrological pantheon and I really think that this is a collective period of time where we're trying to, uh, wherever Saturn is, and I've thought about this a lot, wherever Saturn is, it exposes things. It exposes ignorance. Um, Saturn was associated with having a blind spot. Um, it, it exposes things that we have to deal with as a collective. It breaks down structures, but then builds structures back up. 
Um, it, it talks about death and decay. It is the principle of darkness and of potentially, like I said, not having clarity on something, uh, whereas the opposite, the sun, is where we have illumination. And we've talked about the first decan of, of Saturn, I'm sorry, of Aquarius, being uh, the mark of exile, where we are you know, feeling almost like we have, it's a necessity for us to go off into our, onto the frontier and onto the fringes. And that's bringing up a lot of different feelings in, in the collective. And in my home state of Michigan, we had a, we have a fairly, I would say one of the more uh, strict stay at home orders. Um, we have, and, and in, in my personal opinion, I, I think it's very necessary. Uh, we, we are a hotspot for the coronavirus. We are something where a place in Detroit in particular, where we had a, a very large outbreak of the virus and uh, some, our governor has taken some very um, I don't know what we would call it, very, uh, has taken action to try to keep people safe. And there was a protest in our, at our nation's capital, I'm in the nation's, in our state's capital of Lansing in the early part of the week where I believe they called it Operation Gridlock, where people who were upset with uh, what they felt was their, their constitutional rights to assemble or to do whatever they wanted um, they thought that that was being infringed upon by the governor and they took their vehicles and they drove up to the, the Capitol building and created a gridlock around the Capitol building, which had some collateral damage. Um, many of the people got out of their cars without masks and were gathering together in a large group. Um, there was uh, a blockage of the entrance to one of the hospitals in one of actually one of the largest hospitals in Lansing, what, they were blocking the entrances. There were ambulances that weren't able to get people to the hospital, and that raised a lot of like discourse back and forth between a lot of people in my community since this was happening in my home state, and for people that were arguing for, you know, the safety of the whole, and people who are arguing for. Uh, their constitutional rights at any cost and, and um, had some really interesting conversations about that. And I wanted to share something from another astrologer that I think sums up my thoughts on this. Uh, his name is Barry and he is of the uh, website Astro Barry and a really intelligent dude um, and Aquarius. <laughs> so he has, I think he has some authority in this matter. And he summed it up really well. And I'm going to actually quote him because I thought it was just so elegant the way that he put this. And he's talking about Americans. And, and I've been thinking a lot about why it's so difficult for us to uh, deal with this type of thing in America in particular. Because I think we have a, um, it's, it's in the core of our being here in America. Uh, the freedom is something that is a rallying cry in America. And I think there's a lot of, uh, our nation's been founded on a lot of individualism and, and sometimes some isolationism and, and independence is something that is, is, is part of our narrative. And we have a, an attachment to uh, freedom and to being able to kind of, you know, do, do what we want. And that's a real difficult thing when, when um, 
we're being asked to give up some of that for the good of the whole. That's not something that is an easy thing for this country to do. Uh, and it's created some issues for us as a country. So I'm going to quote Barry here. He says, Americans are dangerously obsessed with an immature, unnuanced concept of freedom. The ideal of freedom exists in philosophical opposition to the necessary constraints of a social contract, the agreement by which we willingly sacrifice personal liberties in order to receive the benefits of a society. Every society strikes its own balance between these poles. Too much personal sacrifice on behalf of the collective aims easily on behalf of collective aims, easily becomes oppressive. Too much freedom prevents us from respectfully living together as a society, as well as thwarts our efforts to attain goals that only together we can realize. Either extreme is a grave danger to the social fabric. There are countless examples of freedoms we give up so that we may peacefully coexist. We sacrifice freedom every time we stop at a red light instead of barreling through the intersection because we have somewhere we'd rather be now. If we don't stop at the red light, we may kill other people. Do we have the right to ignore driving regulations because they infringe on our freedom to drive however we want? The less we are willing to compromise freedom, the harder it becomes to live together as a society. As an, Im as an impractical ideal without reasonable expectations, freedom at all costs is a mortal threat to the social contract. Man, when I read that, I thought that was just so brilliant. That was just such a brilliant way of discussing what I think Saturn is asking us to do as a collective. And I do think it really has uh, merit as far as the current astrology that we're experiencing right now, because I do see arguments on both sides of the, of the equation where we are having to do the things necessary to keep each other safe because we are... I think what we're finding through this is that we're much more interconnected than we ever thought. And this has been a difficult um, lesson, hopefully, of maturation for my own country, is that we are reliant on each other and that we are part of this collective fabric. And that, you know, not to sound too new agey about it, but we are all one. And this is something that um, certain fac factions of, of, of Americans have difficulty with. Um, and, and I, I see the other side of it, too. I see the other side of uh, being very skeptical about power structures and about people abusing power and putting in draconian measures or, or being very um, opportunistic about taking away our individual rights as well. And, and whether you are uh, on the, the left or the right, I think both of those... Um, political ideologies at some, I think everybody is distrusting their leadership on some level right now. Um, <laughs> like, I, I think in Michigan, people are more distrusting, uh, the more conservative folks are more distrusting the leadership on the level of the governor. And I think on the national level, the more liberal folks are distrusting the leadership of the federal government. And so I think that's something that we can find some common ground on, is that it is important to figure out what the balance is between being able to keep people safe uh, and being able to still feel like we are individual spirits within that connect collective. 
And I think that's really the question that we're going to be dealing with for a very long time. I don't think that anybody has the perfect solution right now. And I think that what's really important is to work on finding that common ground between the, the two extremes of that. How do we function as a collective while also having some sort of uh, individualistic way of operating, but also not infringing upon other people's um, rights or other people's um, safety? I think that's the other thing too. And I, I, I got into a, a long debate with someone who was very attached to um, the Constitution and was willing, I think it sounded like they were willing to, um, there, was, there was a far direction they were willing to go in defense of that uh, position. And I guess my thoughts on it are that this, these are unprecedented times. I think that um, some of the things that I uh, was talking about was with him was, I'm not sure that the founding fathers of our country could have even anticipated uh, something of this nature when they were writing out their particular laws. Now, I'm not a constitutional expert. I, I, you know, I haven't read through the entire thing front to back. Um, there are definitely ways where we have tended to politicize that document and see what we want to see when we are looking at it. I saw a really, <laughs> I saw a really interesting. There's been a really, this is a boon for a lot of satire comedians out there. And uh, I saw this video. Um, it was a satire of the NRA and talking about gun rights and Second Amendment rights. And it was, it was very poignant because they had a, uh, a, an, a member of the Black Panthers was joining in with these kind of like more rural white folks that were talking about their gun rights. And it was, sort of this kind of send up of uh, the NRA is very uh, pro-gun for white people, but if, if African-Americans are you know, trying to talk about the same thing, we've seen some of the strictest gun laws in history being put down in, in places where, like California in the 80s, when I think that the government powers were pretty afraid of, <laughs> you know, giving weapons to the people that they may be oppressing. And that's, uh, that is an interesting paradox. So, and I will say that that is one, one of the situations where um, we're having to deal with uh, inequality and where people may say, well, these are my rights, but only for me. And that's one of the things where we're really having to deal with as a society right now. Like, I think that we have a, in this country also an underlying fear of things that are different from us. We have a, a long history of uh, racial and demographic inequality that we are, you know, still having to deal with the seedy underbelly of. And that is, that is a question that comes up with all of this too. One of the things that raised an alarm in our household, because um, my partner is African-American and we've had some long conversations about um, surveillance and, and about what, you know, that's another thing we'll have to look, look at uh, as we move forward with this is that, um, you know, 
how do we trace this disease moving forward? Because that's one of the things they've been talking about as far as keeping track of the coronavirus is how do we keep track of people who have it to prevent the spread? But one thing that was very alarming was the the White House was talking about um, contact tracing, but especially for uh, minority communities and for people in urban, low-income environments. And because there has been a disproportionate amount of of, uh, cases in some urban environments, some low-income environments, and and with people of color. And I think that that is uh, part of a systemic problem where those folks are not having um, access to resources. And in in essence, they are being forced to uh, do some of the more high-risk jobs and they may not have equal access to healthcare. Uh, the systems that they are a part of may not be as functional um, because of the uh, income inequality. And I'm, I don't know if I'm saying it as eloquently as she did this morning. Um, which I, sh- I was joking. I was like, I should have you on as a guest on here. And you should say that stuff. <laughs> like she's, she's got a much more clear way of explaining it than me. And I, I'm sorry if I'm jumbling any of that. I'm doing my best to kind of like, speak to what what she said this morning and it was she was making some really good points um and she and i have had a lot of conversations over the years uh about uh privilege and about racial inequality and and about some of those things as and myself as a as a cisgendered white male in america i've had to learn about um, the privilege that i have and the things that I don't have to think about that other people do. And yeah, that, that one of the really great points that she made about this that I think is really important for Saturn and Aquarius is this is something that this pandemic, this isolation, this, uh, this fear that we have to go out into uh, public, this being, you know, feeling like it's dangerous to go outside of our homes, uh, the, the, the leeriness that people may have when they look at us out in public or when we, they experience us. That's something that minority populations have been experiencing their entire lives. Um, and now we, we have a subsection of the population that is kind of learning what it feels like to be an exile, to feel uncomfortable in your community. And that's painful for those folks. And, and I thought that was just really brilliant thinking about how as a collective we're almost getting the experience um, that people might have been you know living with their entire life and i think that's really important to to acknowledge and it's been you know over the course of my relationship i've I've definitely had to think about that and and the things that i may not have to uh, necessarily deal with being you know looking the way that i do or, or the way that i was born that other people don't have the advantage of doing. And I just think that's something that I would meditate on uh, as, a, as a society. I think that's an important conversation to have because some of the most vulnerable people right now are the ones that are, uh, have been at a disadvantage for, for the longest period of time. And I think it's, uh, we're really shedding some light on those situations. And perhaps, hopefully, I think hopefully what my hope is is maybe this experience may cause people to have more empathy for that type of position, for, for being in that type of position in the society. 
Now, I know that may be a lot to ask and people are, <laughs> people are set in some of their ways and there's always the arguments of saying, well, I'm suffering too and I didn't ask to be born this way. And I think that that's true. And I think that uh, just because you um, look or have the privilege of not having some sort of oppression doesn't mean that you aren't suffering. I agree with that. At the same time, like there's certain things that you have to deal with uh, or that, that people of, uh, of color have to deal with that you don't. And we, I don't know, that's, that's something I've really been thinking a lot about in, this, in this, these times. And again, it comes back a lot to uh, Saturn and Aquarius and how are we going to restructure society in a, hopefully in a way that is more equal um, and that takes more of the necessity of cooperating with one another into account. Because one, one of the things that we you know, are seeing is that this, a thing like a virus, and I'm, I'm going to go back again and talk about some of the things I've been saying with, with people, is I'm seeing a lot of people that want to point fingers. And that's a natural human tendency. We want to point fingers and we want something to blame. It's, sometimes it's very hard to feel like we don't have control and that there are forces that are greater than ourselves. And that's, it's very difficult to surrender. We always want to kind of find a scapegoat. And I think that something like a, a pandemic, a disease, a force of nature, makes us feel very vulnerable. And it requires, uh, it's forcing us, it's making it a necessity, Saturn, to find ways to cooperate with one another. And I'll tell you what, that's, it's, it's at once very difficult, but also very beautiful on, on some other level. That's one of the things you can, I think you can see some beauty in that. Now the challenge is, like I said, the challenge is going to be how are we going to reconstruct the society that's been broken down? Remember, Saturn deconstructs things and then builds them back up. It's both. It's the, it's the, the concept of time, entropy, decay, but it also is a builder. And one of the things that instead of physically building, like we saw with Saturn and Capricorn, breaking down old structures and government power and things like that, we're thinking about how are we breaking down the old social constructs, social contracts, and what is going to be included in the new social contracts? And how do we maintain our sense of self when we're going to be asked to potentially give up some of our autonomy for each other's survival? And like I said, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be something that we're going to find the exact perfect recipe or the perfect blend overnight. It may get more unfair before it gets more, more equal. Um, yeah, it's, I, some people who when this started, some of us who are, <laughs> some of us, some people who are, are I think that have, a, have had a distaste for the way that society has been arranged for quite some time, myself included, there's a small part of you that almost feels like, wow, finally, finally it's going to be broken down uh, and people will finally see the light and we'll have some sort of more fair and just society. And that may be true, but there may be also, you, it's like you don't have, there's an unknown quality of how it's going to be built back up at this point. And uh, another friend had a, an interesting quote where they were saying, well, 
there's there's not going to be any libertarians in during a pandemic, right? And and that person ended up being wrong. <laughs> like there are plenty of people who will still stick with uh, a very like um, isolationist and individualistic type of political worldview, even when faced with uh, a, a potentially life threatening disease. And that's really interesting to me to see that that part of human nature. Um, so I wanted to kind of talk about that because that's the context of the human events that we're going through here. Um, we're definitely seeing the, the, the uh, rebellion and revolution type of uh, impulses bubbling to the surface. We're seeing very inflammatory speech with, with Mercury and Aquarius. I'm sorry, Mercury and Aries and Mars and Saturn and Aquarius. And that's probably not going to change anytime soon with the sun making a square to Saturn. So let me get into the dailies here, and we'll try to contextualize this within a, the daily movement of our astrology. Okay, hopefully I was as objective as I could be with that. I really am trying to hold space for people that have different opinions than, than me. Um, I, I'm noticing a tendency for people to want to delete people on social media and say, oh, unfriend. It's we're so quick to unfriend people. And I think that on some level, we can only take so much. If someone's being very extreme and we have to set healthy boundaries, right? On another level, we have these echo chambers that we're starting to live within where if we shut ourselves off to any opinion that is different than ours, our, our positions become more and more extreme. Um, our own positions and the position of the people that we are cutting off and isolating and only having conversations with people that are the same as them, and, and we can get even more off track. I think that one of the beauties in the past, I think, of our American society when it was maybe more functional and less polarized was conversations between different, differing ideologies. I, and I don't know, I don't know if that's ever been, a, you know, functional, but I, I think it's been more functional than it is now. It was, you know, I'm sure it was somewhat less extreme. Um, but I think that discourse is important. I think that one of the things that we've lost in this current moment in society is an ability to have uh, meaningful conversations with people that we are different from without it devolving into personal, emotional attacks and uh, illogical type of digressions. And I think we should start bringing that back into, into the way we talk and I would, I, I was telling you that I'm inspired by this because um, I, I got caught up in some stuff where I, you know, ended up deleting somebody that was creating some, was, had some pretty extreme positions in one of the communities I'm a part of. And, and you know, there is definitely times when we should denounce uh, hateful ideology. Um, I don't think that, uh, when we hold space for someone, we are necessarily um, approving of the the darker parts of their ideology. I think there's ways that we can completely denounce something that is uh, hurtful to other people while still holding space for that person. And I, I was I was inspired to to try that a little more um, after talking to a friend that was talking about a a jazz musician named Daryl Davis, I believe that's his name, Daryl Davis, 
who was uh, an African-American piano player, jazz musician, who befriended a member of the Ku Klux Klan in, I believe, the early 80s or late 70s. And because uh, through a shared interest of music, this was something that attracted me to music uh, in the past was music was one of those somewhat universal languages that that people can agree on sometimes when they can't agree on anything else. Art is something that, that helps us to uh, blur some of those boundaries between us. And they were connecting through music that he was somebody like this Ku Klux Klan member was seeing him perform and um, eventually was complimenting his music. And eventually he uh, revealed that he was part of the Ku Klux Klan. And it was very shocking to, to Daryl. And he, um, he ended up trying to befriend this person. He didn't, uh, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. He didn't condone his behavior, but through his friendship, eventually that person changed their viewpoint because they, they had very little experience with actual people of color and they had been, uh, I guess, I don't know, programmed to think that they were evil or bad or whatever. And through having a human experience with someone like that, they, they could no longer maintain that hateful ideology. And it was through their friendship that they, they made the bridge. And eventually, you know, Daryl uh, befriended many people in the Ku Klux Klan, and many of them quit the Ku Klux Klan and gave him their robes. And I thought that was really inspiring. And, you know, I, I thought that was a beautiful story of just the beauty of just how friendship and how creating space for people can hopefully uh, allow them to maybe see the light at, at some point of something that is more fair and just and coming from a place of love rather than a place of hate. And, and you know how Daryl achieved that? Through loving those people. No, sorry, I'm getting emotional about it because it's just such a beautiful story. You know, like he he isn't changing their mind by um, telling them how terrible they are. He isn't changing their mind by getting their opinion, you know, getting his opinion out there and, and denouncing and telling them how terrible they are. He's he He helped them change their mind through just being himself and through showing them love. And that's really powerful. And you can, you can really feel that. I'm feeling it. So I'm choking up a little bit here. Um, but I think that's one of the things that uh, will get us through this difficult period of time that we're experiencing as a collective. Is if we can really dig deep and try to meet someone from a place of love and recognize that they are probably suffering too. I don't think people would take an extreme position like that if they weren't afraid or if they weren't suffering on some level. And see if we can find compassion, even for those people that we vehemently disagree with their ideologies. I think that's a, a, a really powerful force in the world. And I encourage you to try that. And it may not always go well, and it may take an exorbitant amount of patience it may take a lot of uh, taking breaks. 
but I think it's worthwhile. And I think it's a worthwhile endeavor. And I really, as a Venus and Gemini native myself, this is something that I really take, uh, I don't know, that I, I take seriously and that I, I, it's something that is interesting to me, exploring even extreme ideological things that are very different from, from me. And just, just in an attempt to understand it, to find some human common ground. And again, I, I think the key is to come at it from a place of love. There's, there's some part of that person that you can find acceptance in. You don't have to accept all of them, but you accepting, you don't have to accept their, their dogmatic ideals, right? But there's some part of their divinity that, that if you can find acceptance and compassion and empathy for, I think that's really powerful. So anyway, on Monday, the 20th, the moon's going to be moving from Pisces to Aries in the balsamic phase. Um, it moves into Aries at 3 a.m., and it'll make a sextile to Saturn and Aquarius at 6.15 a.m. And the, the sun will, is beginning its application to the square with Saturn. So it's already doing that right now. Uh, on Tuesday, the 21st, moon will still be in Aries in that balsamic phase. It's going to be making a sextile at 13 degrees to that Gemini Venus in the second decan, which is, um, remember, it's about trying to harmonize uh, very polar opposites. It's going to make a sextile to Mars in Aquarius at 15 degrees at 9.34 a.m. and make a conjunction to Mercury at 4.05 p.m. at 18 degrees. And as these are lunar aspects are happening, the sun will be perfecting its square okay, to Saturn at 3 a.m. So you can see that right here. Whoops. Oh, no. Sometimes it my chart tends to move a little bit quicker than I want it to. So you can see here, we've got the, uh, that's Tuesday, sorry. I'm gonna move forward a day. Okay, there we go. So now we see at 3 a.m. or so on Tuesday that there is an exact square between Saturn and the sun. Okay. Now let's break this down a little bit astrologically and symbolically. We gave ourselves context as far as what's happening in the collective or, and in our local environments. Um, but let's see what, the, what the, the symbols are telling us. So we have the sun in the first decan of Taurus. And remember we had a, a, the card, the five of pentacles, where we see two figures that are a little bit down and out, um, outside of a church. One of them is injured. And remember, this, this Deccan we talked about was associated with a fear of a lack of material resources and the planning that, that naturally would follow that to guard against starvation or of not, of not having enough. So that's what our, our collective solar persona along with Uranus, is dealing with right now, okay? We have to include Uranus in this picture because it's, it's part of the narrative right now. And then we have Saturn, which is in the first decan of Aquarius, okay, represented by that five of swords, talking about the mark of exile and the necessity to 
separate ourselves from the herd. So what happens when we have the sun bringing a highlight to the fear of not having enough and it comes into an accelerated conflict with the necessity to isolate? Well, if you include Uranus in this, probably have rebellions, <laughs> okay? We probably have some sort of backlash against Saturn right now and against the need to be Saturnian. Uh, the other thing we're seeing is that uh, the sun is in aversion to its host Mercury. So it's a blind spot. There, it's Mer I'm sorry, it's Mercury. It's host Venus uh, it's because Venus is in Mercury's sign right now. So that was where I got confused. Uh, Venus is not able to see the sun and provide some of the resources that it needs or the harmony that it may desire. Whereas Saturn is in its own domicile and is very strong. So I think that this could be a time period on Tuesday where we're really starting to feel uh, like we are uh, running into the limits, okay, where we are feeling like we're running into the brick wall, that we're being denied something. I know one of the complaints that they had uh, in the operation gridlock was that the governor, they, mis they misunderstood uh, one of the clauses in this new stay-at-home order about, you know, garden centers and plants. Like there was something in it where they were closing some of the garden centers and people uh, took that to an extreme to say, we're not allowed to buy plant starts. Whereas you are still allowed to buy plant starts. It just is it being encouraged to be on a more local level or to, to limit the amount of people that are gathering in these more big box garden centers as well. Um, I believe you can still buy things from these places. They're not closed completely. Um, that's why I think it's really important to ask questions and to really get clarification. That's been my main uh, uh, way that I've been dealing with people who have strong opinions is I want to ask questions first. I want to get clarity first as to what their actual position is before I make some sort of emotional or have some sort of emotional reaction or make my own argument. I think that's, that's one of those four agreements that we talked about with Don Miguel Ruiz don't make assumptions, ask questions. It's so important. We can avoid so many conflicts if we just get clear on where someone's actually coming from. So I think that we're going to be seeing uh, the sun. And remember, Saturn is overcoming, all right? This is a condition where Saturn has the upper hand. Saturn is in the stronger position right now in overcoming the sun. So this may be, when we have an overcoming square from a malefic, that can feel very oppressive. So the planning that we may have wanted to do, the planting, the plowing uh, of, of Taurus season may be severely restricted by the position of Saturn right now. And that will cause us to feel uh, maybe a little bit of depression, uh, feel like we are, have inhibited vitality. We could be pessimistic. We could, there could be a sense of feeling like we're being exploited. Um, Again, we could also feel the repression of father figures too. The sun and Saturn are both traditional father figures in, in astrology. And those can be, uh, this could be a point where we're feeling the uh, authority, really the challenging nature of, of living within uh, you know, a society that requires us to still have some authority figures. 
Um, one of the things that Ren Butler talks about in his great book, The Archetypal Universe, is Kronos devouring his children. Um, he also talks about Abraham being willing to sacrifice his sons. And this is another danger that we may come, come up against. And, and again, I'm going to sound like I'm speaking from two different perspectives, but really that's what's necessary right now. There is no one right thing right now. I think both sides of this argument have at least some kind of some ground to stand on. It is necessary for us to social distance for the safety of people. It is also, uh, there is also potential for the rules that we are making to create other issues for, for people and make it difficult for them to go uh, to their jobs and to, for them to make a living and pay their bills and to, to have food and things like that. Uh, those are real concerns. There are people that are, I bet unemployment is at the highest, I believe, ever since the Great Depression right now. And I don't have the exact figures on that, but I believe something like 15 million people filed for unemployment in America in the last month or so. So yes, there is real uh, hardship that we're experiencing as a collective. And there's also complaints that, that uh, the federal government is uh, using taxpayer money to bail out larger corporate interests and not doing enough for the regular people. And that would be a legitimate uh, complaint too, I would say. Um, so I think these, these issues are all kind of, uh, they may come to more of a head with the square throughout, throughout the square of the sun to Saturn. And we're also going to eventually see a, a square from the sun to Mars as the, as the sun moves through Taurus. So the feelings of limitation and oppression could start to lead to more uh, active, potentially violent protests as we see the square from the sun to Mars. Um, I, I've been talking with a lot of friends where I, I, I know that we're in a period of great change and great epochal paradig paradigmatic change. And, you know, the idealist in me and the, the pacifist in me really wants it to be a peaceful transition. But the historian in, in me realizes that uh, there have been very, there have been very few times where great change has happened peacefully in uh, the course of human, human uh, evolution or historical evolution. Um, generally people get fixed in their ways and they don't change unless they absolutely have to. And then when they're asked to change, sometimes there's a certain set of people that want to maintain the status quo and the, the, the old way of doing things. And the only way to change it is for some kind of violent, bloody revolution. And there's a giant part of me that hopes we've, we've moved past that in our collective human growth. But there's another part of me that understands that we still have, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, some very tribalistic, like, animal impulses as well. And that, uh, I don't know, his history hasn't been kind on that particular um, wish. Um, so I don't know. I don't know the answer. And I'm going to keep saying that. I'm going to keep saying I don't have all the answers. And I hope that more of you start saying that too. Because I think that the problem that we're really getting into with a lot of this is a lot of people think that they have the, the solution for everyone. And the fact of the matter is, is that we, 
don't and that there's still like new information coming out. And what I will offer is that's okay. It's okay not to know how everything is going to turn out. And as I'm sure that if you're a student of astrology and you're listening to this, you're probably more inclined to want to know how things are going to turn out. And I am too. I, I have very difficult, it's difficult for me sometimes to not want to know how things are going to go before they happen. But one of the things I'm having to learn to accept through all of this is that even though I can have an idea of some of the themes, I'm even surprised. You know what I'm saying? I'm even surprised how things turn out. I don't have a skeleton key to know how things are exactly going to turn out. I can see some of the thematic, uh, you know, metaphorical material, the, uh, you know, the archetypal material, but the manifestation of it, the actual playing out of it is always somewhat surprising and, and beautiful too. Uh, sometimes shocking, sometimes horrific. It's all of those things wrapped up into one. And I think becoming present is going to be important. All right. So that's what I've got, I think, for the uh, Sun-Saturn square. Um, the seed of this, this is actually interesting too. The seed of this cycle was the Saturn-Sun conjunction on the 13th of January of this year at 22 degrees of Capricorn, right where the Saturn-Pluto conjunction was. So what we're experiencing now is the first quarter phase of this, the material crisis phase. And I, I do feel, if I'm going to have to go on record to make a prediction, that this is a time where we will be uh, debating a, about resources or feeling the pinch or a lack of resources and conflicts are going to arise uh, about that and about feeling like we maybe don't have enough, which is a reality. There's definitely people out there definitely suffering right now. And I, I empathize and I, 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 you know, I'm sorry that that is happening. Um, I feel like in where I, where I'm at, I'm, we don't have a, a lot, but I feel like I have enough to feel safe. And I think that I'm grateful for that. And I know that that's not true for everyone. I have, I have a job that I can do from my house. Not everybody has that. And that is, you know, that is where we have to acknowledge that, you know, there is definitely some inequality in the system right now. Okay. Let's move to Wednesday. All right. On Wednesday, the 22nd, which is Earth Day. Hold on. My notes don't want to cooperate with me here. Let's see if we can rearrange them. Okay, on Wednesday, the 22nd, Earth Day, the moon is going to be moving from Aries and becoming new in the sign of Taurus at 3.35 p.m. at 3 degrees of Taurus, very close, if not exactly on its degree of exaltation. So let's break down the new moon here. We'll go to Wednesday. And we'll break it down and see what, what kind of new divine assignment we are going to be getting with this new lunar cycle. Okay. And this is this new moon happens at 1025 p.m. 
before that, we're going to see a number of, of squares. We're going to see the moon square Pluto at 5.31 a.m. and then Jupiter at 8.31 a.m. We may feel that a little more on Tuesday uh, as we move through the, the Saturn sun square. Um, and then the sun is going to square Saturn. I'm sorry, then I'm sorry. Moon is going to square Saturn at one degree at about 7 o'clock p.m. before it goes new at about 10.30 in the evening. So let's look here. You can see that we're pretty close. Okay. I'm moving my chart. There we go. There we go. We have uh, the sun and the moon coming together, 10.25, 10.26 p.m. at 3 degrees, 24 minutes of Taurus. Now, a few things that we notice right away. We notice that we are still within a three-degree square of Saturn. Yes, it is separating, but it's moving towards the square with Mars. Okay. Um, we could also think of the um, both the Sun and the Moon potentially being within a malefic enclosure between Saturn and Mars, but we do have Venus breaking it up okay we do have venus helping right now at 15 degrees of gemini thank goodness we have this saving grace of venus hanging out there now it is venus is going to retrograde too venus is not going to get outside of it's not going to perfect its square with mars because if it did that would be challenging because that would be a, a position where venus was not helping and we'd have the sun uh, in in a malefic enclosure, and that would probably be pretty bad. But since Venus is going to be slowing down and going retrograde, I believe around the 13th of May, it's going to continue to be playing an intermediary part between the two malefics right now for any planet that's making an aspect between them. Okay, so that's one good news, I guess. Uh, so talking about who is the players in the conversation, well, obviously Venus, obviously Saturn. Mars is squaring the new moon by whole sign. So that is a part of the equation. Uh, we definitely have an aversion to the new moon from Venus. So that it is, while Venus is breaking up the malefic enclosure, it is having difficulty providing right now. So I do think this may be a period of time where we may see the, the, the darker side of this decan where we actually see shortages, where we see people that are not getting what they need, where we have delays in like stimulus checks or things like that, or people are, you know, their businesses are suffering. I believe that there was a, a small business um, fund that ran out of money recently. Uh, and I believe that there was some corruption that came to light in that. There were some bigger, quote unquote, small businesses, ones that I believe there was a steakhouse that I saw an article about in New York City, a chain of steakhouses that made a $46 million profit last year, and they got $20 million of small business stimulus money, which doesn't quite seem like uh, what that was earmarked for. And there's plenty of people out there that needed a few thousand dollars uh, to keep their business afloat, and now they're going to be out left in the cold. And that's that's going to be one of the realities that we're going to have to face as we go forward through this, um, through this experience that we're having. Um, so 
the new moon is going to be in the terms of Venus. So it's also, that's the, the one who's creating the curriculum for this. And again, I go back to Venus and Gemini, second decan of Gemini, being able to, uh, to contain both opposites at the same time. Austin Coppett called the second decan of Venus, I'm um, second decan of Gemini, uh, the hermaphrodite. And where it was, where it had both, both sexual organs at the same time concurrently. And this is where we may have to be able to try to, uh, to see both sides of this argument simultaneously. Uh, one, one of which being um, the need to have a social agreement to keep people safe. And the other that is about uh, how do we maintain some sort of dignity or social uh, fair human, human rights uh, within that, that context. And uh, that's gonna, there's going to be a lot of, I think, negotiation around that. Okay. Um, the first aspect that the moon makes when it escapes from the bond, this is something we've been talking about a lot with our lunations, is a trine to Jupiter. So it's not going to be outside of the bond um, but as it leaves. It's not going to hit Mars here at 16 Aquarius. It's still going to be under the bond. Um, so the first aspect we're going to see is a trine to Jupiter. Now, normally that would be good news. That would mean that there's some sort of gift that is coming in, uh, that there's some sort of abundance that is going to be initiated from this new moon cycle. I would just caution you, though, that since Jupiter is in its fall, we've seen that efforts towards give, gift giving have been corrupted, have been not as effective uh, and aren't doing the, what they are intended to do. Um, and this is Jupiter at the bottom of the Wheel of Fortune. This is Jupiter enriching the power structure because we have Jupiter in the third decan of, of Capricorn, the throne, the solar ruled decan of Capricorn that talks about material power. So what we're really seeing is the gifts being given to those that already have the power. And I think that we may even see that happen again uh, with this new moon cycle. Um, because at every point in time in our federal government that uh, Congress has tried to put more things in place for the maybe the more common person, there has been many, many disagreements by the other side uh, that are either arguing that those provisions will, I don't know, make people not want to work or, uh, or that they need more bailout for large corporate entities. And I'm sure that's very pr frustrating for the American people as it, as it should be. Um, so I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that escape from the bond because while in theory it should be a good thing, it, we're dealing with a fallen Jupiter that is still uh, pretty close to Pluto. All right. So the interesting, the other interesting thing with this is that the moon's at its degree of exaltation, about three degrees. And ancient astrologers believe there are certain degrees in certain signs where the planet was at its most powerful. And this is where the moon 
is at its most powerful, uh, I believe, its maximum degree of exaltation. So this is a powerful time, in theory, for bringing things into existence. Um, again, I don't think it's going to be uh, smooth. We may actually see something being brought into existence, but there's going to be a lot of conflict around it due to the squares and due to the position of the other planets right now. So we'll see. Like I said, I, I, can, I can look at what the symbols are and try to parse them out the best I can for you. Um, but uh, there's a lot of unknowns, even, even with having this knowledge. But I do think that that is something to keep an eye on because there is potential there for something good, I think, to come out of it with the moon. Because the moon likes to bring things into being and also out of being. It's the, it's the concept of like the membrane. I've, I've heard it described by Austin Kopic as the membrane that surrounds the earth that allows things in and keeps things out. Um, and remember, this is really close to the planet Uranus. So there may be something very shocking that happens with our resources. It could be good. It could be shockingly bad. <laughs> I, I, um, I've learned over the course of this that uh, when I thought that things were, you know, my, my ideals have been smashed to smithereens on, you know, things as well. That's the other thing with Jupiter and Capricorn. The quality of hope is severely curtailed. And when Saturn is providing for Jupiter, it's basically providing pessimism. Um, so it's, it's hard to be hopeful during these times. I think you should make an effort to do it. Um, I've been attempting to do more mantra meditation and things like that and try to quiet my mind a little bit so that I'm able to just hold space for, for other people and for, um, for myself too and, and not get so uh, riled up by everything that's happening. It's exhausting. I, I feel for you if you're feeling just burnt out by all this. It's exhausting to be in a constant state of fight or flight. That's not natural. Generally, we have, you know, we, we get away from the threat and then we uh, are able to rest. And in times like this with 24-7 access to news and with the, the constant looming threat of a deadly virus, if we were to go outside or touch anybody, that can really tax our adrenal system. And I think it's important to, while taking proper precautions to be able to quiet your mind every once in a while and take a break so that you can recharge the batteries for, for, to endure this for potentially a longer period of time. I mean, the other thing that we've seen in the news I didn't really mention was a, this, um, this push from, from more, I would say, more conservative lawmakers to reopen the country and to you know reopen certain states that are maybe not as hard hit or things like that um and my professional opinion as an astrologer seeing the uh, retrogrades that are going to be happening this year both of pluto jupiter mars and venus is that we may take some premature action of opening up and then uh we may have to go back and redo a lot of these things and potentially with greater ramifications and consequences. Um, remember, Saturn uh, Saturn is a tough teacher. And I feel like if I were to give some sort of like, I don't know, embodiment to Saturn. I mean, think about it like this. If you have a habit that you're trying to break and you've made an agreement that you are going to break it, 
uh, there's, it's always seems like if you do break that, that, that pact that you've made with yourself, either you feel more guilt or the consequences are greater. It's like if you've given up drinking or something like that, or you've given up like sugar and your body adjusts, and then you have like this bender where you go off the wagon, you always feel worse, much worse, I think, because you've seen what it can be like to, to not have to deal with that, that negative consequence. And I think that we make some sort of packs like this on a spiritual level too. If we, if we commit to eliminating a bad habit, when we go back on that, it's almost like we get punished extra hard. And I have a feeling that this could be our experience of Saturn as well, where we are being asked to be responsible and to uh, distance ourselves from each other, but maybe even temporarily, maybe finding new ways to find a more equitable way to deal with each other. And if we don't have patience, a quality that Saturn, I'm sure, is known for, is requiring patience, um, the consequences may be severe. And I, I have a feeling that this, this thing could get worse because of the unwillingness to delay gratification. Every time, for those of you who've had a Saturn return or two out there, uh, you will have learned that um, it is potentially not an easy time and it's a restructuring of your life. It's an elimination of everything that isn't serving you and a need to rebalance towards potentially, I think, a more mature and a more authentic expression of the self. And it doesn't happen overnight. It takes patience. It takes consistent effort over time. And I think that's the same thing that we're being uh, tasked to do in this particular situation. And <laughs> say what you will about our leadership in the White House, but patience and delayed gratification does not seem to be one of Donald Trump's strong suits. Um, so I, I, I'm nervous about that. And I'm nervous about the repercussions of that type of thinking. And I don't know. I think I've made a pact that I'm not leaving my house for the next eight months. Because <laughs> as difficult as that may be, uh, you know, may I'll go for a walk or something. But I don't think you're going to see me in public uh, for the rest of 2020. And as much as that sucks, I would, I would love to be able to hang out with all of you in person. Actually, I would love to be able to hang out with some of you in person. <laughs> like, let's be real here. I'm a 12th house cancer son. I, that's not my favorite thing in, in, in general. But it is nice to spend quality time with some people that you really care about and that you connect with. And I do appreciate that even in small doses. So, um, But anyway... So that's what I think I've got for the, the, the new moon here and what we may be experiencing with this divine assignment. I do think it is important to, to make some plans. Um, I just had a conversation with a good friend of mine who is a farmer, and he's talking about recommitting to some more long-term projects that he has just for his own sanity. And I do think that is important. I think that I agreed with him because even on myself, I haven't felt as productive as I would like just because I'm just inundated with the news and I've been in that I've been uh, falling prey to that fight or flight type of experience and I do think it is important to have things that we are working on that give us a reason to keep 
doing stuff. And if you're, you're suffering and you're, if that's more challenging for you, that, that's totally okay. Don't beat yourself up over it. But try to have something that you're looking forward to each day. And that's where the planning phase of that first decade of Taurus comes in is, you know, have something that you're, you will make you feel good about yourself that is maybe, maybe more tangible, maybe a project that you can commit to. And if some days you are more able to work on it than others, that's fine too. We're not going to be at our best every single day. But like I said, having something that you're moving towards and that you're building towards could be pretty healthy around this this time of year. Even if it's it's taking um it's even if it's more of a challenge to bring it into existence due to something like the square from Saturn. The moon will be full on the 7th of April. I'm sorry, 7th of May, sorry. From 5720. So we have a full moon at 17 degrees of Scorpio and Taurus, okay? So that's, that's something to, to bookmark as where whatever, you're, what's, whatever seed that you're planting on Wednesday, the 22nd, Earth Day, a 22 number, which is a master number in, in numerology as well. It's, a, it's the master builder. It's, it's where we're taking divine ideals and able to manifest them physically on a grand scale. I think this would be a big, it's gonna be a big day, you know? Um, but see, start to see some of these things come to fruition uh, the first week of May, May the 7th. All right, so let's move forward to Thursday. All right, on Thursday, the 23rd, the moon is going to make its conjunction with Uranus. Okay, so here very early in the morning, about 4.30 a.m. or so, you see the moon is going to make be making that conjunction. So over the course of Wednesday, there may be something where we get an impulse and we f- see something just very unexpected happening that's trying to break down an old structure to bring something new into being. Uranus is Promethean in its nature. It is a planet that is trying to, that gives us these lightning bolt shocks of awareness um, that can break down structures or build new ones. It's it was the, the fire bringer. It was stealing fire from the gods and to give it to humanity. So we may be see, seeing something where we are having a completely new way of doing something. Um, it's often been predicted that we'll see some form, form of like digital currency happen uh, over the course of Uranus and Taurus. And maybe we'll see this, the inklings and the seeds of something like that being planted where we have a whole new way of dealing with our material resources that, that aren't based on a fiat currency, which is generally was, uh, I guess it used to be supported by gold. I don't even know if it's, if it is anymore, right? Uh, potentially not. The, the, the federal treasury department just kind of prints money, it seems like. Um, so anyway, I'm not a financial expert, but I definitely think that we could see new ways of dealing with our, our, uh, agreed upon uh, methods of exchange. All right. So on, oh, one thing that I didn't mention on Wednesday is that Mercury is also going to be moving into the third decan of Aries, Aries three, you can see the final 10 degrees of Aries. And this was the Venus ruled decan called, uh, we called this the burning rose in 36 faces. Uh, Austin did. We, I don't know. <laughs> like, I didn't help him write it. I just reference it a lot. Um, and this is where we're uh, potentially seeing uh, 
an attempt to glamorize uh, the message. Uh, Mercury is associated with communication, with commerce, with travel, with um, ideas. And it's going to be making a square, and we'll get to this at the end of the week, but it's going to be squaring Jupiter and Pluto. So we've already seen the seeds of this happen over the last few weeks as well. Um, remember the squares with the nature of Mars. I've been watching the uh, updates from the White House on the coronavirus in the evenings, M much more of the president than I'm comfortable witnessing, but I feel like it's important to stay somewhat updated. Um, but what I've seen in the last few weeks is uh, a video that one could say is uh, very similar to a propaganda video speaking about all the great things that the government has done so far. Like it was basically almost like a campaign video when uh, the idea, I think, behind those updates is to give people information on what's happening next. Um, so I think we're going to see more of that. I think that Mercury in the third decade of Aries is going to be an attempt to glamorize uh, the more, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, to win over a hostile audience right now. Uh, and, you know, there might be some more emotionally charged communication that we see as well. Uh, the, the third decan of Aries was, I believe that Austin compared it to a comedian trying to win over a hostile audience or a musician or something like that. Um, and it's, it's, there's a lot of charisma involved in that. So we may see more charismatic speech that is, you know, exposing some of this corruption that we've been seeing with Pluto and Jupiter, exposing some of the corrupt power structures we've been dealing with. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, try not to get too frustrated with it. <laughs> like, uh, I think that uh, it, another interesting thing that I've been doing is there's a um, thing online, uh, a news organization called Now This, and they have been starting to uh, broadcast the president's updates live with a fact checker like that comes on in the middle of the speeches and in real time is fact checking everything that he's saying. It's really interesting. And you can see the poor guy, his name's Alan Piper. Uh, the poor, poor guy is uh, getting frustrated. I believe he's a Virgo. He's getting frustrated. Um, you can see him get more and more kind of exasperated with the more, uh, the, with all of the things that he has to correct. And uh, with all of the, uh, I don't know, untrue things that he, he has to correct with the, with the president's updates and the, the distortions of the truth. Um, and we're going to see more of that. I, I, this, I think it's been proven that this is just the modus operandi of this particular individual. And uh, just be careful. Like, uh, there's another article that I would highly recommend, which talks about the gaslighting of America. And I think that what we're going to see with Mercury squaring from this third decan is an attempt to tell us that everything is fine and everything is okay and that we've, we've done the best, we have the best systems in the world and we've done everything that no one else could do, you know, and that, you know, um, and that you should just go about your business. And I think that that is, uh, 
something to be very uh, cautious of. And gaslighting is a term that uh, it means when we're having someone tell us that what we believe is not true and trying to distort the truth to, to their truth and tell us that what we are experiencing isn't our reality. It's a distortion of our reality. And I think this is a real, uh, a real danger with this week in particular, with Mercury moving through this deck and squaring both of these planets. All right. Now, the other interesting thing that we're seeing when we are moving towards Thursday is we're going to be continuing the new moon. The moon has yet to escape the bond on Thursday, so we're really not going to see the full power of this new moon until Friday morning when the moon escapes the bond and what it's really going to be all about. Um, I think when a moon escapes the bond, we kind of, we've gotten inklings like the, it's like the moon is in the, in the, in the oven, in the furnace and, and whatever we're going to be dealing with is baking. And then when the moon escapes the bond, it comes out of the oven and we see, we're seeing really how it turned out, you know, whether at a full moon or like, you know, what we're going to be dealing with. So hang in there till Friday to see what the reality of all this is going to be. But we are going to see the conjunction of the moon to Uranus. And we're going to see uh, Neptune moving into the third decan of Pisces. And I'm actually really curious about this because Mer- uh, Neptune is a very slow moving planet. It spends uh, multiple years and even decades in a, a particular sign. And uh, it doesn't change decans very often. And we've seen Neptune moving through the second decan of Pisces, which is Jupiter ruled, or is the face of Jupiter. It's a Jupiter ruled sign, and the face is also Jupiter ruled, where we're trying to make a bridge. We're bridging realities. And we're trying to bridge and get comfortable with the, the, uh, the dichotomy of our ideals and of how it actually is manifesting in reality. Now, when we move to the third decan of Pisces, we're moving into a Mars-ruled face. Okay, Jupiter's still providing uh, as host, but it's going to appear more Mars-like. And this is the point where we are, they talk a lot about sacrifice in this decan. It's interesting because the card looks very idealistic. It's the Ten of Cups. Where we see a rainbow and like this beautiful vision. And what I've read about this is that it's, it's the point where someone is willing to sacrifice for their ideal and for their vision and for their perceived notion of truth and willing to fight for it, willing to crusade for it. And I could see this happening on, I could see in my mind's eye this happening on both sides where people are willing to fight for an idealized new society potentially um, or where people are willing to fight to try to maintain what their vision of the old society was, the ideals on the other side of it, and maintain their status quo idealized vision, which may have only been ideal for very few. Um, and my hope is that we're not going to start martyring people for this. I mean, that, that's what it sort of feels like. We even had a lieutenant government governor in Texas saying that that our grandparents would be willing to sacrifice themselves for the economy. And it feels like, and there's been more people in the news that have said, well, if we go back to work now, we may only lose two or 3% of the people. And that, 
that's a difficult that's a difficult thing to um, process as part of the masses that are going to be going back to work. Uh, I'm interested to see how this turns out. Some confusion uh, with Neptune. It, Neptune is attempting to transcend. It's attempting to to. It's also the quality of dissolving. Um, and Neptune's another one that since we haven't really experienced it very long that we're still actually trying to figure out uh, what it's all about and what it does over long periods of time and what the experience of it is. But ideally it's, it's something uh, Richard Tarnas talks about it, it being uh, having a quality of um, an attempt to, to escape reality an attempt to transcend physical reality. And that may be something we're seeing people starting to make sacrifices for, trying to transcend whatever they are experiencing now. So something to keep an eye on. I, I don't know exactly how that, that one's all going to play out. Again, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be more uh, aware of what I don't know. But I do think it's interesting to see that there will be a slight shift in the expression of that planet based on its placement now. Okay, let's move to Friday. Friday the 24th. Friday the 24th. The moon will still be in Taurus. And around 7 a.m., we have an important thing that is happening. You can see that the moon is going to be moving 15 degrees away from the sun. And that is our condition called escaping from under the bond. And that was a traditional technique for kind of, you know, um, understanding the tenor of the particular lunation or the, the, theme, the thematic qualities or whether it was going to be experienced as uh, benefic or malefic. And we see here that the first aspect that it's making is that trying to Jupiter. Okay. So again, it's just gotten past the square to Mars, which is good because we've had two lunations, two full moons in a row that were the first aspect was a uh, an escape was a square to Mars, and I was like, oh boy, what kind of shit are we gonna have to deal with now? Um, so we'll see what happens with this one and with its contact with Jupiter. It gives me some hope, but like I said, it, I've te I'm tempering my enthusiasm because of Jupiter's position. Okay. Uh, at 1.30 a.m., Mars is going to be, or the moon is going to be making that square to Mars. Uh, the moon will be sextiling Neptune at 20 degrees of Taurus to 20 degrees of that newly uh, third decan Pisces Neptune at 7.38 a.m. It will then trine Pluto at 5.27 p.m. at 25 degrees of Capricorn, and then it will make its trine to Jupiter. Okay, now the other thing. Uh, to consider is that when it makes its trine at 26 degrees, the moon is going to be on a fixed star called Algol. Okay. And that is one of the most difficult fixed stars. Algol was the head of Medusa, or was the, was the, actually, technically, Algol is the, the third eye, the blinking third eye, I think, in the forehead of Medusa. 
Um, the ancients didn't trust it because it was, I believe it was a, a binary star that was eclipsed every three or four days, every seven days. I don't know. It blinked in and out of existence. And, and that was very disturbing to uh, ancient peoples. Um, so some of the themes associated with Algol is uh, losing one's head, um, some very violent tendencies. Uh, so I, I, again, this is another thing that's tempering my enthusiasm for the first aspect where we're escaping the bond is because the moon is going to be right on Algol bringing something potentially negative into being. And it may appear, it may be tried to be sold to us, okay, as something good. Mercury in third decade of Aries squaring all of this, but it may not be. It may be, buyer beware is what I will say. A healthy dose of skepticism as to what we are being sold is, I think, very appropriate at this period of time. Okay. So that's what's going on on Friday, the 24th. On Saturday, the 25th. On Saturday, the 25th, the moon is moving into Gemini at 319 a.m. It will trine Saturn at 647 p.m. Uh, it will sextile Chiron at 5.20 a.m. Chiron's in Aries. And then we have uh, one, uh, two more non-lunar things happening this day. Uh, Mercury is going to be squaring Pluto. It's going to be perfecting that square to Pluto. And Saturn's going to be turning retrograde. I'm sorry. No, Saturn. Pluto is going to be turning retrograde. Okay, so if I go to 3.35 a.m., Mercury makes its square to Pluto. And about 3 p.m., uh, Mercury, I'm sorry, Pluto is going to be making its station retrograde. Now, this is not uncommon. The outer planets generally are retrograde for like half the year a lot of the time. But I do think this one is particularly important because it is going to be also met by a retrograde Jupiter and we're going to have another conjunction on the 30th of June of this year. And many astrologers out there, myself included, uh, are thinking a lot about the nature of the coronavirus in context of the Jupiter-Pluto uh, conjunction. And also some of the, the um, response from the power structures to it. So I do think there's going to be something very important uh, that's going to be happening again with another conjunction. And then there's a third conjunction, I believe, in October when they're both direct again. This is one of the things where I'm very skeptical about uh, us being out of the woods with all this because uh, we're just seeing so many planets grinding to a retrograde halt having and retrogrades remember in ancient astrology retrogrades required a lot of uh they were they were taking something back they were you know something was given and then we're taking it back uh, another way to think about retrogrades is you will see that uh 
when a planet is moving in zodiacal motion, when it is direct, it's moving in the direction of the moon. Okay, they thought that they thought of that uh, zodiacal motion as the, having the nature of the moon. When a planet is moving retrograde, it is moving in a direction that is of the nature of the sun, like the sun's path through the chart. Okay, so these planets are moving through their own will, bringing things into existence. All right, when they move backwards, they may be bringing things out of existence. And they may be getting a divine course correction. I've always said that it's important to let go of the of the of the oars of the ship and go with the current when we experience retrogrades. And we're gonna be asked to let go of the oars and let go of our our wills and to surrender to some of these things. Um, and, and that surrendering may be extending our stay-at-home orders to protect the safety of everybody involved. And it's going to go a lot easier and faster <laughs> if people actually do it rather than resist it. Now, do I have a lot of faith that people are going to follow the rules? Some people will. And thank you if you are. And thank you to all the people who are on the front lines doing all of this hard work that some of these other people seem to be um, compromising and like do i think that those people are going to follow the rules um i don't think that it's super likely and i think that and especially here in america i think it's going to drag out uh potentially the longest that it's that it would have to because of our reluctance because of some people's reluctance to actually uh follow the rules if it infringes upon what they perceive as their rights or their freedoms. And, and I've, I've discussed that at length at the beginning of it, so I don't have to go back into it. But I guess if you want my advice, and I don't even know if this is something that can be fixed or not, but my advice is you want this to be over sooner, follow the rules and still be aware of abuses of power and still ask the questions. That's the second part of it. You know, follow the rules to keep people safe, but also make sure that the people in power are respecting our humanity, right? So it's both, Venus and Gemini style, okay? Um, Pluto's going to station direct on October 4th at 22 degrees of Capricorn. Does that sound familiar? Uh, the exact position of the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. So I just, that degree is really important. And anytime planets are coming back to that, uh, it, it, it's just echoing um, the Saturn-Pluto conjunction that we experienced on, on uh, the beginning of January. Okay, it's, it's like reverberations. It's like throwing a, uh, a stone in the water and having the ripples come out from it. Okay. Um, Jupiter is going to be retrograding from the 14th of May to September 12th. So again, this is, we're going to see some of the same themes come up, something that was given, maybe taken back, uh, re-examining issues of how uh, we're dealing with uh, our shared uh, hierarchical government structures. Okay. I think that I have talked fairly at length about what's going to happen with this Mercury-Pluto square. Um, 
some other notes I had written down, some of them from Ren Butler's book, obsessive thinking, manipulative communication, aggressive dogma and propaganda, an attempt to dominate through ideology, loaded questions, muck-racking journalism, destructive gossip. Uh, the seed of this was in, at the, on the 12th of January this year at 22 degrees Capricorn. Sound familiar? <laughs> so this is the, um, I believe, the first quarter phase in the uh, Mercury-Pluto cycle. And it'll be the first quarter phase in the Mercury-Jupiter cycle that uh, perfects the next day. They're, these two planets are kind of connected. And when we add Jupiter into the mix with Pluto, it just makes everything bigger. Uh, there, there's an exaggeration and overconfidence, promising more than one can deliver, grandiose thoughts, pride and arrogance, boasting, dark hidden thoughts bubbling to the surface with, with Pluto, right? And um, again, uh, be, be careful of what you consume and question where your sources are coming from. Fact check things as much as you can. I'm finding that to be the, one of the most frustrating things. And this was an argument that was made by someone that I was getting into a debate with that I actually did appreciate. Uh, well, I appreciate his, his willingness to debate with me. Um, but he was talking about that. I, I, I changed the tenor of the question. We were talking about like the constitution and rights and I was starting to get a little bit exhaustive, but I changed the question to be like, how do you see the Saturn in Aquarius and the Saturn Jupiter conjunction playing out and then the shift to the air sign uh, paradigm. And his answer was interesting. And his answer was, was he had a lot, some good thoughts on it. And he's talking about the power of the meme and the power of information. And really those are the themes that we're going to be dealing with and working out is how do we, uh, how do we get our information and what is truth and, and, you know, who controls the information controls the world. And I think that's the, that, that is, that was really, um, that was a really good insight that he had because we saw in that when the earth signs were prominent, when the earth element was prominent in the Jupiter Saturn conjunctions, whoever owned the resources, the physical land, the physical resources had the power. Now it's going to be whoever owns the information and we could look at it as this idealized Aquarian, you know, new reality. Um, but I, I think it's much more nuanced than that. And there's potential for abuses in all of this. And the real moral and ethical questions we're going to be asking ourselves is how do, how are we going to be distributing ideas in a way that is just rather than in a way that's manipulative and controlling? And I think that's one of the things that I'm going to be meditating on a lot. And I, I, really um, appreciate um, this person for, for turning me on to that idea. See, even when there's someone that you maybe even fundamentally disagree with on something, there is still uh, common ground on certain things. There's still humanity to be found in that. And I, like I said, that is a really great exercise. That's a great spiritual exercise that I think more people should try. Um, the last aspect that we have here uh, of the week, if we haven't gone on long enough here, is that the sun will be making a conjunction to Uranus at six degrees of Taurus. And this is echoing those themes that we have, were started at the, the new moon. Um, 
this time instead of the moon coming in contact where some uh, something comes into being with the moon and Uranus making a contact. This is where we have some sort of awareness uh, or potential uh, issue with people in power. Uh, the sun traditionally represented kings or authority figures or father figures. So we may have something that's very unexpected or shocking with our authority figures uh, on Sunday and moving into over the weekend and you know moving into the beginning of the week. Uh, we could definitely also feel as a collective a drive towards freedom and independence, wanting to break free from something. Uh, Uranus was associated with breakthroughs and breakdowns. Our behavior could become more erratic. We could be given some sort of Promethean gift. This is the a beginning of a new solar Uranus cycle. And we're, anytime the sun and Uranus are making contacts through the whether it's through the square or the trine or the sextile, we're always going to be able to look back on this moment, Sunday, the 26th of April, 2020, and get context as to where we are in that cycle. So we'll have the opposition around Scorpio season where we're going to see something really coming to light. So just pay close attention to the themes that are coming up Saturday and Sunday and uh, be able to trace uh, the sun and Uranus when they're, they're coming together. And I think that this may be the beginning of more rebellious thinking, rebelling against limitations since it's squaring Mars and Saturn, feeling uh, blocked. Um, this could be also a point in time where we're seeing unexpected losses. Um, this, I, I, there is a real danger of, of an economic collapse, if it hasn't already happened, of it getting worse. And we may see different different stages of the narrative where our material resources are crumbling. And I, I honestly think it's an inevitability uh, due to the shift of the earth triplicity to the air triplicity. The, the material resources that we think are so necessary may, not, may cease to become so as we move more towards uh, the va valuing um, more air-like things like ideas. So we'll see how it plays out. I'll be, I'll be in the, I'll have my popcorn ready, just like all of you. All right. So that is what we've got for this week. We've gone on quite an adventure. Thank you for sticking it out with me. And uh, thank you for your patience with some of my emotionality. I don't know. I try to keep it together sometimes, but I have a sensitive heart. And there's some things that when I think about them, I, I, I get emotional and I try to be as objective as I can for you. But when I see, when I come in contact with things, ideals like choosing love instead of hate, I, it's, sometimes it's hard not to get choked up thinking about the possibilities. Um, you know, like, like John Lennon said, imagine, right? I'm not even talking about just all those celebrities trying to sing that to us, but there is some beauty and truth in trying to imagine uh, a world that is more fair and more just. So we'll see. Looking ahead to next week, the 27th of April through the 5th, I'm sorry, through the 3rd of May, um, Mercury is going to be moving into Taurus. It is then going to make its square to Saturn, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, and then on Thursday, we'll have a first quarter moon. Mercury will make its conjunction with Uranus, and then Venus will square Neptune. So that's what I've got for this week. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with me. I hope that you are all doing well and that you're hanging in there. 
Um, as always, if you do like these, uh, these forecasts, make sure you hit the like button, the subscribe, share it with your friends. Um, there are some links for donation if you want to help me keep doing what I'm doing. Um, that is always appreciated. Uh, another way that you can uh, really support the work that I do is to reach out and schedule a reading. I really love meeting with, with you as clients and getting to know you and working on charts. That's a lot of fun. Uh, having the one-on-one the, the -on -one interaction is something that I really value. Um, and I'm thinking about doing some classes coming up here. If you have some feedback on classes and if you have some ideas about uh, some online offerings that you would like to see me uh, do in the future, um, the new moon's in my 10th house. So uh, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> like Maybe by the time the new moon's in my 11th house of groups, we'll have something worked out. So give me some feedback on that. And if that's something you're interested in, and maybe give me some topics you'd be interested in learning about, because I, I want to be able to serve you as a community in, in the best capacity that I can. So that's what I've got for this week. So everybody take care out there and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.